Good evening, ghouls. Cold open for me. Um, just wanted to say thank you. You know, we're trying to get back onto a new schedule, so things are a little bit weird. We've missed a couple of weeks, more than a couple of weeks. Um, I had my semester was wrapping up, and this one was a, a a lot of work. So a lot of work towards the end that I was working on some projects. So um, not as much time to sit down and edit as I would like. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. You know, we're getting back into the swing of things here with the new year. We might miss a couple of weeks here with Christmas and whatnot, but hopefully come January we'll be back to our normal schedule. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks. Love you guys. Um, hopefully this isn't the last episode of the year, but if it is, uh, we're excited to uh, grow more and get some more content out there for you guys. So we love you, ghouls. Thank you. Good night or good morning, I guess. Good evening, ghouls. This thing's nicer than my apartment. <laughs> Stop. No. We're not doing that right now. Good evening, ghouls. Welcome evening, to the drive-out. We just saw a movie, and now you get to talk about it with us as we drive home. We watched The Boy and the Heron. We did indeed. The new Studio Ghibli movie. And the last Miyazaki movie. This time it's for real. This, this time, time it's for, for real. real. He's though. actually going to retire after this one i feel like he might have to after this movie i mean here's the thing with when you make um art you're living and we talked about this a little bit on the way to the film or to the the movie theater um when you make art your way of life like when you make your your creativity the thing that makes you like monetarily get by it's very hard to retire from that because it's something that you learned to do out of a necessity like it's not it's you are creative you are a creative and you will never stop being creative so retiring from something like animation is going to be very hard because he's still going to have ideas as long as he lives He's still going to have that des like desire to tell stories as long as he lives, and that's kind of what this whole like the the culmination, like uh, the boar and the heron being like the culmination of his um, of his life is that it's like semi autobiographical, and so true? it feels like yeah, I am fairly certain, right? I don't see anything um, in the movie that suggested it, but I don't know if you saw something like outside. Like the, the trailers, movie. I thought that that was uh, not the trailers, the um, PR before. It was like he's gonna release this f film that's semi-autobiographical, and he um, isn't is he going to. He can't be that old. Is he not? Like born during the war? How old would you say the kid is? Because he wasn't born during the war. He was a right. Like a, at least. I don't know. What, like twelve, ten. Something I thought like he was that like would put him at like a solid like somewhere in his nineties right now, which is extremely old. I don't know. I feel like he's always been old, so it just makes sense to me. It does, it does feel like he's looked exactly the way that he looks right now for like the entirety of my awareness of his existence. Uh, yeah, huh? You know, like longtime listeners may be aware that I'm a big animation fan. They might even be aware that I'm a Studio Ghibli fan, and I was really, really excited to see this movie. And I don't think it disappointed. I really liked this movie. Hot I, take. I think... Is that a hot take? I think devoid of, like, 
context, this would be my favorite Ghibli movie. I think it's like the one that leans towards my taste the most. Of course, I cannot remove the context in which I saw Spirited Away and my relationship with that movie. Um, and just like the the place that it holds in my heart. But I think that aesthetically, this movie was is easily my favorite. I think it's a very similar storytelling style that he's explored in the past, um, especially like with uh, his, I would say his two most successful films are probably Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away. And both of these are kind of like Alice in Wonderland, uh, you know, somewhat normal person. Like, I guess Howl's Moving Castle is a little bit different because the world is technically magical from the jump, but she is not a part of that magical world when she starts, you know? Like, she's just making hats in, like, a normal town. Any whoosies. They... It's a a similar story. It's a similar style of storytelling where it feels very, uh, like, a fairy tale where, like, the rules are just kind of made up and everybody talks about them as though they always existed or, or, like, as if they make sense, even though they don't, you know? Uh, You have this normal character who is very driven to find someone or to return to what they once had or who they once were. Um, I think that the important difference here is that the animation has a huge leap forward in my opinion. Yeah. Studio Ghibli movies have always looked fantastic, but there were several sequences in this movie that just fucking wowed me. Uh, and the ones in particular that I'm thinking of or that really grabbed me, the first is when uh, Mahito is running to the hospital fire. Mm. And like yeah. all of the people around him are kind of like smoky. Like, yeah, they're they're like they like feel hazy. like they're born yeah. yeah. of the fire yeah. almost. Yeah, like it's like a purgatory scene that he's everything's very running fluid through. and like very vaporous. Like, yeah, the way everyone's moving. It's yeah. So that that was very striking it, and extremely technically difficult. Um, the 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 next one that really grabbed me is after one of his first experiences with the hair and he like falls into the pond and it, as he starts like drifting upward through the pond the camera changes angles and he's in his bed and rather than rising up through the pond the water level in the quote-unquote room is dropping to reveal the bed that he's lying in if that makes sense and you can still see it and like, you can see the water away. like pulling out from like the like the edges of like the frame you know that was just really technically like oh man just very very impressive um and then, uh, not not at all technically. I, I mean, like it's obviously it's it's impressive, but not nearly as difficult. Was uh, one of the first scenes where he's like for sure in like the Twilight world or like the world of the dead, and he sees that kind of parade of ships mm. on the horizon with like the like the the sun peeking through yeah, yeah. the clouds, um, which is which is is not at all the same level of like movement or. Uh, or or anything near the first two scenes that I just referenced, but it really struck me. Like, the, I don't know. the the What I was thinking while watching the movie is that this movie watches like how poetry reads, you know? Like, the a, a big part of being able to let yourself enjoy poetry, especially more modern poetry, is to understand that, like, words have their own value devoid of their meaning. Like, there's, like, a zest or, like, a, like an energy, like a movement to words and language on the written page that doesn't exist in other mediums. And a lot, like, large sequences of this movie 
or, or, or like abstract painting, for example, like abstract art uh, is often a celebration of the medium as a means to its own end rather than to de depict something else, you know, uh, where it's like just painters having fun with paint in a way that they enjoy. Um, and large parts of this movie for me personally, like there, like there were points at which they weren't so much the, the emphasis was not to tell a story, but rather to really just revel in animation, like the craft of it, you know, just kind of swim in that sauce. And I can totally understand if that wouldn't appeal to some, but I just really, really enjoyed it. And I think, I think that's interesting that you mentioned that because, um, and maybe I haven't seen enough uh, Miyazaki films. I've kind of seen like the core ones, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not a Miyazaki scholar like a lot of people um, try to at least pretend they are anyways. Um, but I felt like this movie was kind of really stripped back in a lot of key ways. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you, if you like think about like Howl's House or like, the bathhouse like it's just very busy and I felt like there was a lot less busy which is good like I like that to be clear like I think that's cool and it's fun and like all the little details are great and I felt like this one in like the key areas of the story were was more stripped back in a lot of ways you know what I mean like the the room where he's talking to his grand uncle or great uncle whatever um was like just like light you know what I mean like it's just like him and his uncle and like I don't know there was a lot of places where like it was like a beautiful scenery and it was just him walking across you know what I mean and it was like a little bit more um reserved in certain places like um, the delivery room was like just the bed yeah and the yeah fans. exactly there was a lot of like very like I don't know one of the, I think the most striking like image in the entire movie for me was right after he had smashed his head with the rock and he like turns and you have the side profile of him just like bleeding and he just puts his hat on and it's just like him on a blue sky background and like maybe a little bit of like you know scenery on the bottom um and i felt like there was a lot of moments like that where it was just like um quieter you know what i mean and i think and i think like actually like physically quieter too i don't know if you guys felt like because i feel like a lot of other movies like there's always a song playing in uh Miyazaki films um but in this one like it, I feel like we, there was like just like silence for really long periods of time put a pin in that and don't like I don't want to like take you off your point but I want to talk about the music um well yeah I mean we can we can go we can go there right now well, we have to do a summary right there's all there's also oh, yeah. a point to your point <laughs> that I want um, to make. but yeah I just I just felt like in, in general I think everything was stripped back a little bit especially uh the music which I really enjoyed the music I think it might be my favorite score because of how like simple and like I don't know it was most of the time it was just a piano it felt like and and, the, and like the the voices occasionally for like the really like intense parts but yeah I don't know the the music was I thought it was lovely and I thought it was very well like because because at the end of the day Alice in Wonderland stories are coming of age you know leaving adolescence behind and like taking that step towards adulthood um making sense of the bizarre yeah exactly this crazy cruel world and like becoming okay with it and trying to learn like when the oh my god when the mom was like he was like but you're gonna die in the house fire and she was oh like fire god. doesn't scare me or whatever she's like i'm going to love having you exactly yeah. that you know made I mean? me cry me too immediately I, was, I fucking tears dude it was so so powerful um but yeah we can talk about the music and we i guess we do need to do a 
a summary, a quick one. I know the summary. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and man, I'm, I'm worried this is going to lead into more discussion before I do the summary, but I know I'm going to forget it if I don't say it now. There were certain points um, where the kind of visual maximalism of like Howl's Moving Castle or Spirited Away did creep through, specifically um, when he first enters the like the Watchtower with the Heron, mm, and it's kind yeah. of like that dilapidated library, you know? Oh, so um, and also when uh, he's in Kiriko's house like with like her table and like all her little knickknacks all over that one in particular almost looked like the living room in Howl's moving castle Mm -hmm. that was another point i wanted to make throw all the stuff off the table so that they can have a place to eat like type stuff you know um but yeah that was something i wanted to talk about too just it's really short just the fact that like you can see all of the other movies in this movie The hearth looked like Calcifer's hearth. Um, there was a stained glass window that one looked the like the pinwheel. Like Two of the old ladies. One one of the old ladies looked like Yubaba. One looked like the Witch of the Waste. And other old ladies from other uh, Ghibli films. And um, yeah, there were there was a ton of that. Like so much, um, like visual calling back to previous films. Which is, I kind of think, one of the reasons why I think this might be his actual last one. Um, but yeah, let's let's do the summary. I think very intentionally the last one, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he released another sure, one. Yeah. So, um, we are in World War II. Our hero, Mahito, is a young boy who's woken up in the night uh, to find that his the hospital that his mother works in is burned down. Uh, we do a bit of a, a flash-forward or, or skip forward in time, and uh, Mahito and his father uh, have met Natsuko, I believe is her name, uh, who Natsuko. is going to be Mahito's father's new wife and his new mother, uh, and is actually the sister of the mother that he lost. So his Natsuko aunt. was previously his aunt, but is now becoming his mother. And uh, Japan, especially in this period, I mean, like, I, I don't know shit, because <laughs> I haven't been... To Japan, I don't know many Japanese people, but uh, as as far as I'm aware, especially in this period, Japan or Japanese people often have very reserved emotional expression, uh, and and like there's like but there's like you, I don't know you can tell that there's a very like a rigidness, a formalness like between Mahito and this new mother figure, and in very quiet moments we can tell that he's deeply unhappy to have lost his mother. Um, the adults in his life may not have taken the care that they have to to ensure that like his grieving process is happening the way that it should, because we're in the middle of a war, there's a lot happening. Um, and his new mother, Natsuko is obviously trying to reach out to him to like with varying levels of success. Mahito and his father move into, I really still don't really understand their situation with like the, the traditional house and, like, the modern house, like, next to each other or why they have that or, like... I think it's just, like, the What the ladies house. are to him. Like, I don't know if they're, like... The mother's portion of the family is, like, like old-style Japanese nobility of some kind or... I, I'm not really sure. That's the vibes I got. I don't And I don't think that, like, it's very important. Um, but I, that's the vibes that I got, too. Yeah. It was yeah. just, like, that she was wealthy. These were... <clears throat> Excuse me. But, like, old money, yeah. not, like, yeah. new money. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because these women have worked there for 60 years. They raised them. And raised it's like them. an estate yeah. rather than, like, a new home, yeah. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. 
uh, as the boy moves in, there's this heron uh, that keeps acting strangely. And the longer he's in the home, the more uh, like like this kind of bizarre other world seems to seep into what's going on. Uh, the heron keeps claiming that it is a guide who is trying to reunite Mahito with his mother, who he initially claims isn't actually dead. Uh, we find out that the, the heron is extremely fickle. Um, it's actually kind of like a spirit creature that kind of like goes back and forth between a physical, actual, real-life heron and a kind of man <laughs> in, a, in a heron costume, for lack of a better word. Uh, but Mahito slips into this spirit world where his great-granduncle is trying to groom him as a, a successor to rule over this spirit world. Uh, however, the spirit world is undone by Mahito's actions and the actions of other people that inhabit that world. Um, in the spirit world, he is primarily trying to rescue his new mother, Natsuko, with the help of a girl named Himi, uh, who we is implied and then confirmed towards the end of the movie to actually be his mother. Um, but the, the spirit world time doesn't work correctly there. His mother slipped into the spirit world when she was a child, and so their existences in the spirit world are overlapping with one another, despite being separated in real world by actual time. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, he is reunited with his father and uh, obviously has been able to process the death of his mother and has accepted Natsuko as his new mother. We see his little brother at the very end. Oh, man, just Natsuko, a little Natsuko unit. Natsuko was pregnant this whole time. Oh, yes, Natsuko was pregnant this whole time. But, yeah, um, I would say... Presumably that about... with his uh, father's child? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if that's his... like a, We don't know how long it's been since his mother died. It was or a year. Was like an affair. Okay, it was yeah. a year. Okay, so I was like... Because I kind of got like weird i was like was this like an affair type deal like were they seeing each other before or no was it like... i think that's another thing with um i don't know i could be absolutely wrong i know in older like not even just japan but like in older like previous generations of people it's been less problematic to get with someone else's like it's it's almost expected that like if you i mean it says that them. it says that in like scripture is that like if your wife dies then marry her sister or if your husband dies marry his brother like um because you need a protector you need someone to complete that unit um so a lot of people did do that and um i think it was just expected that like once the mother died um the sister is single there you go and then they have to keep the family together so then he has a i would say like a 75 percent sibling because the moms were yeah, sisters that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a baby he's and then they have literal cute. babies that are just this movie's soot sprite and they are the water water they are wada, so wada. cute <laughs> Um, I, I looked over at Alec when they came on. I was like, these things are uh, Becca core. <laughs> <laughs> just like literal blobs with two dots and a smile. Like and a they've got just dropped, yeah. little nubby arms and legs. And then they turn into Kirby and then fly away. Yeah. Not to go back on something from earlier, but you talked about the music. And I'm interested by your opinion because I actually thought that the music 
was one area in which this movie didn't excel over Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. Um, specific, like, th- like thematically, if he wanted to kind of strip back this movie in general, I think that that makes sense. But where I think Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away may have outdone this movie's score is that they had very uh they had themes that you could like yeah. that you can you know like the there was a theme in this one but the theme was not as good you know like there's like very recognizable yeah. melodic motifs whereas this it was just kind of like gentle arpeggiation um like like it was it was beautiful it was well written and well composed but i think it had the the music, in my opinion, had less of a distinct character in this movie and was used more as like a brush to paint the background with than it was in other movies. Sure, yeah. I kind of like that, though, personally. Because, like, I don't know, it felt like... Uh, it felt like the what was happening on the screen was, like, the main character... You know what I mean? Um, which I really appreciated. Um, I also really liked how I felt like, and maybe maybe this is just recency bias, but I felt like the characters were often really small in the frame um, compared to, like, other movies or, like, traditional, like, you know, they, the characters kind of filled the frame up on this one, but I feel like this one, like, the world was so vast and, like, Miyazaki kind of zoomed out a little bit because I think, you know... The story is about a kid who's lost, um, trying to find his way back home. You know what I mean? And so, like, when he would pull out and, like, make him so small on the screen, it just makes you, like, see, like, this big, vast world that, like, children are about to become a part of as they get, you know, pass over from adolescence into, like, young adulthood and adulthood. And so I felt like that was something that was really cool. Like, just these big, huge sets. Because, like... I mean, this is probably the biggest, like, setting, right? Like, an entire, like, like space-time continuum, <laughs> like, time warps, you know what I mean? Maybe like of the three that we've been talking about, but some of the earlier Ghibli movies had pretty big settings, like Mask and the Valley of the Wind. Yeah, but, um... Or Castle in the Sky. But, yeah, the, I, I really appreciated that uh, aspect of it, just, like, feeling so small in this world. What I was struck by through a lot of it, I know that I've already talked up the animation, but having, I, I've, I've done literally the barest dipping of toes into animation by making little animated shorts for my brother's albums, uh, hashtag <laughs> at Chase, I guess, or shout out Chase, I guess on Spotify, but it's very hard. It's extremely labor intensive and time intensive. And so it makes sense when you watch other animated movies or shows you can tell where they're pulling their punches so that they can kind of go ham in other places. And it really struck me while watching this movie that, like, man, they decide to do, like, at any given moment, they just decide what, like, the hardest thing would be to do at that time and do that. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, the like the mechanics of, like, the, like, the bikes that they're doing or, like, the, the, the motion of birds in flight or even, like, that wooden stick falling apart after he, like, used it as a weapon on the heron, you know? It would be so much easier and would tell a similar story to just cleave it in half, you know what I mean? And it'd be so much simpler to animate. And instead, they disintegrate it into, like, 
tiny chips that each have to be reconciled with one another. You know, they have to have their own like physicality, like like they have to make sense, like they have to retain their shape no matter which perspective you see them through. It's yeah, it, it's just their their dedication to the craft is insane. Yeah. As far as like the story itself goes, I thought it was really um interesting like that they have this world that is like you said just like space-time continuum like crazy the like there doesn't seem to be any actual like i guess there the fish might be like native to the world like any endemic species but um then you have all the birds which were imported like they they didn't ask to be there and they all wanted to kind of like kind of get out and um they couldn't and then it ends up being the parakeets that didn't want to be there but have made a world there for themselves that try and like take it over and honestly like i don't know i feel like i don't know i feel like i need to watch it again to get a lot of a lot more like understanding of how the world worked and like obviously there was symbolism from world war ii with like the birds and their king and um and like nazism yeah parakeet fascism <laughs> that was wild. crazy it was, was not on my bingo card yeah. for this movie well and also like the displaced pelicans who were like starving yeah. and yeah and they have to like that that idea of like you have these beautiful Watawara, which are like going up to become children, to become new lives. And then you have these pelicans that are coming in and it's the only thing they can eat. So it's like, first you're really mad at the pelicans and then you're like, wait, they didn't ask to be here. They're trying to survive. What do you do? You know, like it's just this, that's life is that you, there's a circle, like some things have to die to live but then those things that are living are also going to die to something else that needs to live until we all just make it around, you know? But um, there's a lot more in this movie that I want to, like, that's just, like, right there on the tip of my proverbial tongue, but I can't find the words. Um, I just feel like I need to see it again to gotta watch it in the yeah. english dub this time yeah i accidentally got the sub sorry guys rip rip but yeah good movie go watch it sick anything else that we want to talk about i think i hit the things that i wanted to say i got mine it was really pretty it was it's really so pretty. emotional with the relationships between uh mahito and his mother's and their relationship to each other and then yeah like you said at the end when his mom was like it'll be worth it just to have you for as much as much time as i can like i don't care that i'm gonna die wild yeah where are we rating it on letterboxd true (laughs) we good yeah. Mine is at number 10. Under Barbie. 
They knocked off Truman Show. Yeah, I have mine at number 10 as well. I have it right under Evil Dead and right above Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse, rather. Um, but I'm kind of waffling. I got mine at number 8, just above the original Blade Runner and just below Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. You're Although I could probably switch those two out. I'm not sure. But they're pretty, like, both of them, like, I feel like the Spider-Verse was more technically impressive, just because that's kind of, like, what it is. Whereas this one, I think, is a lot more emotionally uh, impactful for me personally. But they're kind of different tones, too, you know? Mm. And so I, it's hard to compare. Can we talk about the stylistic choice to have him, like, harm himself and then keep his head shaved for the rest of the movie? Oh, yeah. It's a really so good, freaking dope. look. Yeah, it's very, awesome. Yeah, I love it. Especially because one of the weaknesses of Studio Ghibli style, in my opinion, is that a lot of the people look extremely similar. Yeah. And that did a really good job of really anchoring him as his own character in his own movie, but also visually distinct from the protagonists of other Studio Ghibli movies. Yeah. Period. Good movie. Very why, good movie. Why would you say he hit himself with the rock when it happened? I know that he said out of malice. I think he was trying to get, he was trying to make it so he didn't have to go back to school. So he told his father the very obvious lie, like, no, I just fell, like, because he knew his father was going to go back to the school and be like, um, like, my kid's not coming in. Like, he's not going to go to school. He didn't want him to go back because his dad is assuming that someone did it to him. So he but he didn't want to outright like if if he came home and was like somebody did this to me then it wouldn't be like an outright like giveaway like hey I did this to myself because I don't want to go to school but for him in his mind it's a more like he's not lying he is lying because he said I took a stumble that's not what happened but he's not lying to make it on another person directly if that makes sense mm. I think it's a very complex reason but that's what I understood and prepare for smug <laughs> looking Twitter or YouTube personalities to be like actually None of this even happened. It's just a head injury that he gave himself, like, as if yeah. that matters or as if that's clever. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I have a particular distaste for uh, it was secretly all a dream. You know what I mean? Like, fan theories? I don't know. Because, like, not only, like, it's uh, fine, okay? I guess. Like, if your theory... It's like, sure, and obvious, and also obviously. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, everyone's thinking it. Like, and that, like... Yeah, I don't know. If your theory doesn't change anything about how the movie it should or is experienced, then like don't feel the need to share it. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't it really doesn't fucking matter.